Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. Welcome back in to another episode of Sacred City Vision Drip. Um, I missed you last week. I, I meant to, I had every intention of, of rolling out a podcast and then the week kind of got away from me. I was able to sneak away. I was out of the pulpit actually the last two weeks. Well, I preached two weeks ago in somebody else's church and the last week I was out of town. Um, and so I was able to sneak away and do a little solitude retreat discipline that I try to keep every six-ish you know, every six weeks or so, I, I get to sneak away. My wife, you know, really takes one for a team for the team and lets me um, sneak away for a night or two on occasion, and just get some time with Jesus, um, time to pray and to be silent and kind of block out whatever distractions, um, you know, are typically sort of invade my space, um, and, and set aside some real intentional time to be with Jesus and study and to um, enjoy nature and. Uh, do some reading and stuff. So because of that, um, I was not really in the office last week. And then we snuck away to go back to my hometown to celebrate my grandma's 90th birthday. So um, yeah, we we just, you know, I missed you guys. Um, it's been two weeks since, well, it'll be three weeks since I, I'll have been with you. And, and I'm starting to feel it because there's something about, even though you can go to other people's churches and you can get fed and, and the word of God is still there, there's something about being with your people, um, being with the people that you do life with. And, you know, you're, you're just in the same space and, you know, my soul craves that. And so I really don't know how people go multiple weeks in a row without going to church because I can feel it. I can feel it in my soul when I don't have that sort of special nourishment from the Lord um, that I receive when I worship with y'all here at uh, Sacred City Moline. Um, but I'm back, back in the pulpit, back here cranking out this podcast. It's Wednesday afternoon. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of dragging a little bit. Wednesdays are a tough day for me. I don't know. Maybe you've got a day like that in your week that's just kind of, uh, of all the days, it's the hardest. Maybe maybe it's your Friday. I don't know. But mine's, mine's a Wednesday because I've got early morning Tuesday, late night Tuesday, early morning Wednesday, and I just get to Wednesday afternoon and I'm like a zombie. Um, but before I cash out for today, um, I got some Diet Coke cranking through my veins and I wanted to get this podcast put together to carry on uh, a conversation that I started like three weeks ago. Um, I was referencing this sermon by Francis Schaeffer called No Little People, No Little Places. And I broke it up into two sections. Um, you know, previously, it was the, the first part, No Little People. Um, and, and today I want to talk about little No Little Places. If you missed the first one, you can go back and listen to it. But just, hey, here's a quick recap for you. Um, 
when he's talking about no little people, he's not saying like, hey, short people aren't allowed or or, or there's no such thing as short people or, or I don't have a place for you. In fact, he's not even caring about your height. He's not like Randy Newman who's got that song, Short People. Um, he's got no beef with short people. What he's talking about here when he says no little people, he's saying that there's no such thing as insignificant people. Now, this is true in general. Um, every person matters. Every soul matters to God. Um, and as Christians, we ought to care for people as if they really matter because they do. Um, but that's not really what he's talking about here. He's saying that specifically in the life of the church, that there is no such thing as a Christian who sort of just has nothing to do. There's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't have a role to play. Um, in fact, th- this whole thing, we, we were preaching through Ephesians 4 when Paul talks about um, Christ gifting all of the members of the body according to his measure. So in other words, Jesus, when when someone comes to faith, not only does, does God give them new life, in their new life, God gives them a new kind of gifting or or uses a gifting that's already been there um, kind of a, 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 and sort of redeems it for the purpose of the church. So maybe it's it's teaching, maybe it's hospitality, maybe it's compassion or prayer or healing or prophecy or, you know, it's truth speaking. There's, there's all kinds of different spiritual gifts, administration, all kinds of certain different gifts that Jesus gives a church um, and, and they vary in, in um, quantity, I mean, you might have a couple of different gifts. You might have one gift that you just is your wheelhouse. In intensity, there's some things you might be really gifted in and other things that maybe not so much. Um, but, but for us as Christians, part of the, like, the life of the church is to, to, to help uh, one another discern what that gifting is and then to help one another deploy those gifts in service to the kingdom of God and the advancement of the gospel here uh, in the Quad Cities and beyond, um, or I guess in any locale, wherever you might be uh, listening to this podcast. Um, and so as Christians, we were gifted, and because of this reality, um, Francis Schaeffer and the Apostle Paul both would attest that th- there's no such thing as, as a member that doesn't matter. There's no such thing as a, uh, a limp finger um, or, or, or a bummed-up kneecap that, that has no role, that can't do anything, that, that's just like you know, insignificant. Every member matters. Um, and the way that Francis Schaeffer talked about this was going back to... Um, the book of Exodus, um, talking about Moses, God calling Moses, who had his own sort of uh, setbacks. He, he had a stutter, um, and God using Moses, but not only did he use Moses, that that the stick, Moses' staff, like the, the piece of wood that he used to shepherd and walk around uh, the desert with, um, God took that stick and used it in a powerful way before Moses. So you see it when when Moses threw down the um, down the rod. Well, actually, there's a transition that happens in there. It was it goes from being the rod of Moses to the rod of God. That that God, it's been consecrated to God. It's been uh, deployed for God's purposes. And as it gets used for God's purposes, it takes a, a new life. Uh, God uses it in, in a really unique way. When, when um, the all of the wizards and witch, witches are, are you know the sorcerers uh, of Pharaoh um, are doing their own sort of voodoo magic and um, and and throwing down their stuff to 
becomes a snake and, and Moses throws his down and it's a snake. Um, and then Moses's rod eats up all the other snakes and then Moses picks it back up and it's a rod again. Um, and then it's the, the, the rod of God that Moses strikes the rock with and, and water pours out. And so we see through this book of, of uh, Exodus how God so uses a, uh, a stick. Um, and because God can use an inanimate object like a stick, we can have great confidence as Christians that God can use us. And uh, one of the things that Francis Schaeffer says that, that um, stuck with me from that, he's got this quote I, I'm, I'm off the top of my head here, so I might not say it exactly right, but he says the, the battle cry or the rally cry of Christians, um, something that gives us a lot of confidence is, uh, is this, for God so used a stick. And because God can use a stick, God can use me. And so that's what he's saying here, and there's, there's no such thing as little people. And then the second part of this is that there's no such thing as little places, no little places. And, uh, and I think you can can hear that and and mean one of two things or two different ways to kind of look at this. Um, you can talk about little places geographically speaking, which that's not actually what he's speaking about. But I do want to take a minute to talk about that here before this this podcast is over. Um, but what he's actually talking about when he says there's no little places, he's talking about like there's no little positions. So um, in America, we have this sort of hierarchy, uh, the way that we view people. Um, if you're towards the top, you're probably like a CEO. You're some sort of influencer. You've got some sort of significance. You've been proven to be important. You've got some, some position uh, of prestige. Um, and, and, and that tells you, um, at least in our culture, that, that indicates successfulness, that indicates um, significance, um, and and because of this hierarchy, it's easy for us to think that if if I'm not up at the top, if I'm more down towards the bottom, I just sort of pr- play like a uh, you know a smaller role. I don't have as much you know responsibility as maybe a CEO or someone who, who's using a lot of influence. I'm just kind of like doing my thing. Well, he says. Uh, with that mentality, we, we might be tempted to think, well, then what I do doesn't really matter. Um, the CEOs, those people at the top, people who are, who are, um, in those places of prestige, um, they're the important ones. And I'm just, uh, I'm just a grunt. I'm just a nobody. And, and actually what he's trying to show us here in the sermon, which I guess I could talk about it, but you should probably just read it. Cause I'd probably be better. I should, I should, I should go back and re-record all these sermons or this podcast and just read the sermon for you instead. But um, but it just got me thinking, maybe my thoughts will help kind of spur you on and give you some sort of encouragement. Um, but the fact that there are no little places, so there are no such things as an insignificant role to play. Now, if you think of that in terms of of um, <clears throat> the body of Christ or the church, that means like, okay, if you just show up on a Sunday morning, there's going to be certain giftings that are are... Um, demonstrated or modeled from the stage um, that when you look at it, you say, oh, well, those must be the really important giftings. Um, you know, the preaching gifting or the singing gifting or, you know, somebody's doing the reading ministry or, or even the hospitality team, um, people that are up there doing stuff. And so it's like, well, I don't really have those giftings, so I must be kind of like um, <clears throat> the JV squad. I, I got like the 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 leftovers of of the gifts that you know. So it's kind of yeah. It's nice to have a gift, but it's really not. well. Actually, he says he's saying that there, there's no such thing as a position that's that's too small, or there's no such thing as a a, a role that's that's insignificant because um, just as people are consecrated, he says this. There's no such thing. Um, it's what does he say? There's no. Here's a quote: There are no little people, and there are no big people in the true spiritual sense. 
but only consecrated and unconsecrated people. So if you are a consecrated person, meaning that you're devoted to God, you're committed to God's mission, you're committed to doing life the way that God instructs us to live, that you're, you're devout in your apprenticing of Jesus, um, that then you, where you are, there is significance naturally embedded in that because there's significance naturally embedded in you because of, of Christ. Um, and, and he says that, that we have this the syndrome of size in America, that, that we think um, that size is going to show success, um, that if I'm consecrated, there will be necessarily be large quantities of people, dollars, etc. So he's saying that if I'm really devoted, there's going to be like this this degree of influence or, or notoriety that will follow me naturally. He says, this is not so. Not only does God not say that size and spiritual power go together, but he even reverses this, especially in the teachings of Jesus, and tells us to be deliberately careful not to choose a place too big for us. So what he's getting after is that there's this hunger that we have because we, in our culture, we want to have that position of notoriety, that position of significance, that we have an appetite to get to that big spot. Um, to be seen by a lot of people, to be heard and have some sort of platform where many people respond to us and we have some sort of exposure. And what he's saying is like, listen, that might not actually be the best thing for you. Um, and I think that's true. That might not be the best thing for you. That, that might not be the best thing for a lot of people. Because in order to occupy that space, to have a lot of influence, to have a lot of exposure, you need to have a character that can... Uh, carry you through all of that responsibility and all of the difficulty that's going to come from having that kind of a, a, a position. And so while we might aspire to wanting um, a role, there, there's something that doesn't mean until, that doesn't mean that in the interim, where we are doesn't matter. So for example, um, my story, I, I moved to the Quad Cities uh, after college. In college, I was involved um, in a church, um, in their worship ministry and campus ministry and stuff. And, and in that time there, I sensed a calling, kind of a loose calling to uh, ministry and, and specifically to be part of a certain kind of church, um, which ended up in me moving to the Quad Cities to be part of Sacred Seed Davenport Church Plant. Um, they were doing church in a unique way. Um, like how we do it now, gospel community mission, really driving, well, first of all, gospel centrality, which was not always something that was easy to find. Um, thankfully, more and more that that's on the rise, I think. Um, but there's still a lot of churches that maybe are missing the gospel. Um, and and the, the, the focus on community, like real community to know and be known um, and to be a church that not, not just about who's here, um, like a holy huddle, but to be a church about those who are um, outside of the church with, with having like Jesus's missionary heart to bring those who are on the outside inside. Um, and so I moved to the Quad Cities to be part of that. And, and I still had this desire for ministry, but but before, you know, and I'm a pastor now, obviously, church planted Sacred City, uh, Moline, uh, coming up on five years, crazy. Um but before that, I was I was selling TVs. Um, I wasn't even leading the missional community. I was just showing up to missional community. Um, I wanted to be part of missional community. I wanted to be discipled. I wanted to help disciple other people. I want to grow in the gospel, all this stuff. Um, but I was selling TVs at Target for a while. And then I was selling cars at a car dealership in town here. And and it was in those positions, in that time. And, and I think, I, I can't... I, I would say if I were to go back in the moment, I really hated that. I wanted to be in a place. I wanted to do something important. I wanted to do something for God. I want to be in ministry. I want to have this, you know, I wanted to just have a position where people said, okay, Sam is some sort of spiritual leader, some sort of spiritual authority, whatever. I, there, there was an, an immature hunger for that sort of thing. 
Um, but it was in that season, it was probably about a year and a half. Um, and then a, another couple of years of, of pastoral residencies that were sort of, sort of anonymous. I, I, I wasn't known. I didn't have a platform. I wasn't preaching regularly. I didn't have any sort of influence aside from the, you know, maybe dozen or so people that I was co-leading a missional community with. And even at the beginning, I wasn't even leading a missional community. Um, but I, I had to show myself faithful to God in the small things. And, and as I've done that, God has put more and more responsibility on my plate. Now, in the moment back then, I was probably like frustrated. I should be, you know, I want more. I want to, you know. But, but what Francis Schaeffer is saying here is like, listen, you may not have the position that you want to be in. You may not have the job title. You may not have, you know, be recognized in the way that you want to be. And, and whether that's, you know, in ministry, um, serving in a specific kind of role, um, or that's even in your workplace where you, you want to get a promotion or, you, or, or whatever like that to kind of move up the chain. What he says here is like, God has you placed in this unique spot. And because there's no such thing as little people, there's no such thing as little insignificant positions. So, um, and let me just, let me pick up kind of where he left off. He says that um, in every one of us, there's uh, 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 there remains a seed of wanting to be boss. So he's talking about this this desire to kind of get up a step, of wanting to be in control and have the word of power over our fellows. But the word of God teaches us that we are to have a very different mentality. And then he quotes uh, Mark chapter ten, verse forty two through forty five. He says, "But Jesus called them, that's his disciples, to him, and said to them, You know that." those who accounted uh, for are to rule over the Gentiles, like he's talking about the Pharisees. The Pharisees um, are, are called to rule over the Gentiles and they lord it over them. So there, there's a an abuse of power that he's identifying. Um, the, the position that they have probably doesn't, don't have the character to match and to do the, the job well. And, and they're great ones, so the people who have a position, a high position, um, exercise authority upon them. And then Jesus says, but so shall it not be among you. But whoever will be great among you shall be your minister. Or, or uh, the the ESV translation, because um, I don't know what translation this is. It's not ESV. That word minister means servant. So to be a minister means to be a servant. Or even harsher language would be to be a slave. Um, somebody who is is be, like places themselves uh, below somebody. And he says, so to be great, you've got to be a minister. You've got to be a servant. And whoever of you wants to be the greatest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, every Christian, he goes on, without exception, is called into a place where Jesus stood. To the extent that we are all called to leadership or some sort of influence, uh, we are called to ministry. Remember the, the priesthood of all believers that that um, God has given the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints, that is the Christians, the, the body, for the work of the ministry. Um, that we are called to the ministry, even costly ministry. And the greater the, the leadership, the greater is... Uh, the greater is to be the ministry. So the greater influence you have, the greater servanthood you enter into. The word minister is not a title of power, but a designation of servanthood. So even in this, so what what are we after? When we want the big piece, we we want to be served. We want to have that leg up. We want to we want to be the kind of people that people are are working to please and to um, work for. And he says here, listen, um, the call of Christ is to be a servant. To to live your life in such a way that um, works for the benefit of other people. And um, 
I just think, man, that that it's so interesting that um, the world says one thing, and Jesus clearly says something very, very different. Um, and so, in that, um, you might be thinking, look, I'm I'm working a job that I don't like, and so like when you think about this in terms of this. Um, in terms of mission and being in the city and working to renew the city, you might think, hey, in order to renew the city, I've got to I've got to work for the city government. I've got to have uh, maybe some sort of influence as far as um, uh, a city developer or or planner or something along those lines. Listen, that's not at all the case. Um, Jesus wants to use you and whatever position, no matter how obscure you think it is. Um, to advance the kingdom of heaven, whether that's, you know, wiping butts or teaching school or um, you're, you're serving in the cafeteria or you're um, working in the healthcare industry, you are there, your position, no matter how, you know, how the culture views it, it is a position of potential greatness. And I love, I, I, I was flipping over to this book by uh, Zach Eswine that I, I read um, many years ago, and I flipped to this this page randomly, and it just, boom, hit me. He says, obscurity, so th- to be n- unknown in some ways, obscurity and greatness are not opposites. Obscurity and greatness are not opposites. So, in other words, you can be unknown. Like, 99.9% of the city cannot know you, yet... Where you are, that 0.1% of people that you do interact with, you can be great because you enter into that space, just as Jesus said, I didn't come, this is the picture of greatness, not to be served, but to serve, right? And so you get to enter into that. And so there's no little places, there's no little positions. I'm going to take a break here because my throat, I'm about to cough. I diet coke, yeah. All right, so... There's no little no little places, no little positions. Now that that's probably the truest representation of what Francis Schaeffer um is talking about here. And, and he says, because of this, like we have this this liberty as Christians to take the low place, to take the place of, of service. Um he says if a place is too big or too active for a present spiritual condition, then it's too big. And so one of the things that we might need to do. Um, in honor of Jesus, is to take a lower position, to, to be, to think of ourselves as, as servants. Um, and so let me see if there's anything. I got some really good uh, highlights in here that I just don't want to read them all. I do want to read them all, but I'll, I'll spare you. You can pick up the book yourself. Um, but here's the second part I want to talk about. So he was talking about the positions. I want to take it and, and and think about it geographically speaking. To say... There are no little places in in the geographical sense. Now, one of the things, um, if I think back through college and and sort of like the evangelical culture that we're um, kind of running uh, alongside of in tandem with here, there is a especially among young people, there is this misconception that in order to do something great for the kingdom of heaven, you have to go to a really interesting place. Um, you've got to pack up your bags and go to China, be a missionary there. Um, you've got to move to a big urban center and do urban ministry and do that. You know, and and I think that those are, I'm not against those things. I'm 100 on board with sending missionaries and, and sending you know um, urban missionaries. 100 on board with that. 
But I think it's a misconception. And I think that not everybody's going to be called to that. It's a misconception to think in order to do something of significance of value, um, something that really counts for the kingdom, then I got to do some sort of drastic thing. And actually it's, 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 you know, God honors that. So if that's your, if that is what the Lord is calling you to, um, then we want to honor that and honor the Lord's calling in your life. But he's not calling everyone to that. That, that's not like the standard call on people's life. And, and I think that when we think this way, um, that in order to do something significant for God, I've got to move somewhere interesting, it causes us to um, undervalue the place where we currently are or the places that are seemingly um, just ordinary, I guess. So like specifically um, rural places or the normal like suburban city places or these small mid-sized cities that don't really have all the amenities and all the cool hype and all of the all of the entrepreneurial buzz and you know, it's like these cities that and causes and I think that if I go back to the sermon series that we had called a church for the city I remember doing uh, quite a bit of like asking people from Moline specifically of like what they thought about the city and, and their take on it I think one of the common um, refrains that you hear from young people is like, we're just ready to get out of here. Um, they, they don't appreciate that, you know, and, um, they don't appreciate what, what, what's going on here or what God's doing here, or, you know, even specifically thinking about ministry stuff or, or, or living life in community on mission with gospel intentionality, you know, it's like they, they've got to do it somewhere else. And I, I just think that this is unhelpful, um, and, and untrue. And what's going to happen eventually is that there will be nobody in some, in these places. Now, God loves the cities. Um, God loves Africa. God loves China. God loves, uh, Russia, places where we send missionaries. And, and he's continuing to call people into the, the ministry to go serve those places and reach unreached people, um, and, and urban centers. But there's also people here. There's also people in these smaller um, sort of obscure places that God loves because there are people here. Um, and, and so I think that it can cause some sort of um, disdain for these seemingly obscure places. And, and really the call of, uh, with this sense of there's no such thing as, as little people and there's no little places um, or positions, there's no geographical insignificant places either. Um, Moline matters to God. Rock Island matters to God. Bettendorf, well, yeah, Bettendorf matters to God. And Alito matters to God. Like all these places God cares about. He, they're, they're wrapped up in his redemptive plan um, in the renewal of all things. When he says he's coming to renew all things, Davenport, Moline, Rock Island, Alito, Silvis, they're all included in that. And so they matter to God. And so one of the things that I really want to see, especially in our kids, not every kid that, that comes up in Sacred City is going to stay here. I, I know that's not going to be the case. And, and some kids are going to grow up here. They're going to move on. And maybe they'll go to those cool cities um, that, that some people want to go to. Uh, and, and maybe they'll go away and they'll come back. But, but one of the things that I want to hear, uh, the refrain that I want to hear from our kids is just say, man, this city matters to God. And because it matters to God, it matters to me. And so I want to find a place. I want to find my place in the city. Um, I want to find a place where I, I can contribute, where I can work for the renewal of the city. And I think that's another thing. If you go, if you go to like, let's well, a big city. If you go to like, um, if you go to LA, and you want to win the city for Christ, it's like that's a big city. That that's like a that is a two hundred year plan right there for you. 
the, the task is so huge where it's going to take a long, long time and barring some sort of major revival outbreak happening for you to affect the city in a really, really noticeable way. But one of the things about having being in a smaller mid-sized city is that if, if you get enough people, and it doesn't have to be like a huge majority, but if you get enough people faithfully loving and serving Jesus, you can create a counterculture. And eventually that counterculture picks up more and more steam and eventually it runs rival to the main culture. And it could even, Lord willing, sort of like kind of take over as... Uh, the dominant culture, this Jesus-loving, um, Bible-exalting, God-honoring culture where we're making disciples, planting churches, renewing the city, man, that would be something else. And I think that it, w- one of the things about, even in a rural space, like you and talk about my friend uh, uh, Tim Kimberly, who's in Collins, Iowa, a small rural town, um, just planted a couple years ago. Um, d- they are like the kingdom of heaven might be in Collins, Iowa, more than any other place in the state of Iowa, honestly. Because what God is doing there, He's ma- there's a movement happening. And because this movement's happening, it's affecting the dynamics of the town. Now, it, so like the rural places, you get these little um, outposts of the kingdom of heaven, these smaller mid-sized cities. You get a, The more people that participate in it, the more you get to experience it. It's like you could make, you could actually change the city. And so I think that's something about this that, you know, God loves Moline. God loves the Quad Cities, and, and they matter to Him. And I think that they really ought to matter to us. And um, let me see. I think there's one more quote that I wanted to share with you. Um, actually, no, I already read it. So there's not. That's where I'm going to add it. I'm going to write there. Um, there's no such thing as little people. There's no such thing as little positions. There's no such thing as little places. All of it matters to God, right? This is part of living a sacred life, a life that's been devoted, a, a life that is. Um, been consecrated to God. It matters to Him. And so we can have great confidence when we go about our days. If we're working as a janitor, working as a cook, wiping butts, uh, as a doctor or a nurse or whatever it might be, or, or, you know, wherever you are, whatever part of the city you're in, it matters to God. Your work matters. And so I think that to have this in view, um, the fact that God is using you um, to show others what Jesus is like, man, what, what a cool thing to be a part of. Um, and so guys, I just wonder what, how, 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 how would our attitudes change if we really believe that? If, if I really believed that God has gifted me in a way that uniquely contributes to the mission, that uniquely serves to renew the city, that uniquely, uh, is deployed for the discipleship of other people, what would it be like? What might attitude be like if I realized that, man, I'm really, this position is not above me, right? Whether you're you're at the bottom tier of your job, working on the assembly line, doing, you know, I, whatever the bottom rung is, even there, that's not an insignificant position that God can use you. In fact, uh, I've got a buddy that that works uh, in John Deere on the assembly line, and, and um, years ago we were talking, and he was talking about the fact that he has had more gospel conversations with guys that he works with on the assembly line than maybe anybody else in his life, um, any other place from the gym, from, from wherever he, he spends his free time because he's been positioned in that spot. He sees himself as a missionary. It's, it's really cool that because of that, um, you're, you're, you know, screwing on nuts and bolts and stuff. And it, and that work right there matters to God because it's an opportunity to share the gospel with other people, to tell them about Jesus. And the fact that there's no insignificant, cities, places, towns, 
um, God cares about it all. So I'm just thinking, hey, what would it be like if we really believe this, um, if we lived into this, um, the kind of gusto and the excitement that comes along with the fact that, man, God's using me and God's at work in this place and he's, this, this position is not a waste. Uh, I just really think that that would kind of stir us up to a, a new uh, level, a new degree of gospel intentionality. And so I want to just leave that challenge with you. Think about that. What would it be like to, to really believe there's no little people, there's no little places, there's no little um, positions, and and let that um, kind of get to work, and, and then just start asking the Lord, how do you want to use me? What's my role in this? How can I contribute to the mission moving forward? What are my unique giftings that you've gifted me with that I can deploy in my missional community or here at the church at large? Um, and, and then to give me a heart for the people and places that that I'm in and around. And, um, and then see the gospel move forward here in the Quad Cities uh, as we seek to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. That's all I got for you this week. Um, I'm looking forward to being with you guys on Sunday. I've missed you. Uh, We are continuing our way through Ephesians chapter 5, talking about marriage this week, actually for the next three weeks. So uh, if you got somebody that you want to invite to church, it'd be a great week to invite them and, um, and hear how the gospel reshapes all of life. Love you guys. Take care. See you Sunday.